Well, good morning. Quick trivia this morning to start us off, and I do have a prize. What's the connection between In-N-Out Burger, Forever 21, Tim Tebow, and this morning's sermon? Anybody? Good news? Okay. What else? John 3.16. Paul, you got it. And you get a pack of everlasting gobstoppers. There you go. That's right, John 3.16. We spent the whole summer deeply diving into the good news of the gospel. The metaphors and the images of the Bible shows the beauty of the good news. And we haven't even mentioned John 3.16 once. What? Alright, let's be real for a second. John 3.16, it's... It can be really misquoted, it can be really misused, it can be overused, and sometimes it maybe feels trite to us. But there's a reason why this verse is so widely used, even in pop culture. Because it sums up our faith so beautifully. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when I was growing up, this is what I heard that the Gospel was. Or actually, what I heard the gospel was, was for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the only verse I memorized in King James. I don't know why. But that everlasting word stuck with me. Hence, everlasting gobstoppers this morning. And this is what I heard. If you believe in Jesus, when you die, you will live forever in heaven. It's like immortality. It's like the fountain of youth. It was the Holy Grail. And this is what I thought the good news thing was all about. And does that sound familiar to anyone? The gospel is all about knowing where you're going to go when you die. And this is where we get into our bad news this morning. Because if we aren't really careful, it's so easy for us to actually buy into this thinking. It's so easy for us to compartmentalize our lives, and view our faith in Jesus as a nice life insurance policy. It's a whole life policy, so there's a nice death benefit at the end of our days. But we live here. And at the point of praying the sinner's prayer, we have salvation. We've earned the eternal life someday. But it's deferred benefits. And that reality only happens someday? What do we do with this life in between? What does our life look like after we've met Jesus? Let me know if you can relate with me on this morning. We've done this whole series all summer, each week, talking about the gospel, the evangelion, which means good news. And we've seen week after week, the story ends with a happy ending. Oh, another happy ending this week. Oh, another good ending. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm left like, but but I still struggle with greed. I still feel alone at times. I still look to bad relationships for affirmation. I still, and this is the bad news this morning for all of us, that even after all this good news, our lives can look unchanged. We began this series with this big idea. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the good news that changes everything. But does it really? I know you've asked that question because I have. 
And I helped plan the series. Because when I look at my life, I think, but I'm so selfish. I'm still so cruel. I'm still so mean, so bitter, impatient with my family. Seriously, I am so prone to wander. Wander from God and just keep returning to being lost, to feeling orphaned, returning to my old habits and old temptations, feeling shame and angst before God, feeling like I'm in exile, blind to God's light, and thirsty and alone. You know all of the bad news that we've said throughout this series. I keep returning to it. And what am I to do? I've heard the Gospel. I know it's good, but it's almost like each day I still have to wake up and just plead before God, please just transform me, please change me in order for anything to happen. It's almost like that. But actually, it is like that, right? That is what it's like. You see, when we separate out our lives and view God as a nice tag-on, we miss the whole point of the good news. We miss the whole point of the Bible. We miss everything because we miss life with Jesus. Our lives can look unchanged when we only live with God's love someday. When we only think that the cross is about knowing where you're going to go someday when you die. You miss what He's already secured for you this morning, what He's already secured for you today. And this morning we're looking at a text that's written by the very same hand that wrote John 3.16. And he builds upon that verse and he sheds light on what this eternal life thing is all about. Because as we've seen over the course of this summer, again and again, the good news of the Gospel is not simply that Jesus died for our sins. And if we have belief of Jesus, that we get to go to heaven someday when we die. No, no, no. The Gospel of John, which we spent a lot of time studying over the last two years, has a lot to say about this good news event. And John 3.16 captures so much of it beautifully. The Gospel is an event that is good news that God, out of His perfect love, came to this earth. He went to the cross for our sins and He rose again from the dead. This is the event. And John 3.16 gives the final metaphor, the final image that we're going to delve into this summer. The good news means that those who put their faith in Jesus have today and now eternal life. We see all the metaphors that we've studied and the ones we didn't get to all summed up in one glorious truth. The best news the world has ever heard. The best news the world has ever heard. It means that God He's given us lives that can be an intimate relationship with Him. And life with God changes everything because God's love gives life. Eternal life. So will you turn with me this morning? Um, We're going to read from 1 John 4, 7 through 13. It's on page 988 in your pew Bibles. Page 988 in the black pew Bibles in front of you. also have it displayed up on the screen. First John 4, 7 through 13. The word of the Lord. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He's given us of His Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Did you see the connection here with John 3.16? Very similar phrasing, right? But here John's got a pastoral concern. It's about love. He takes the basis of the gospel news in John 3.16 and he charges his readers. He says, love one another. To live lives that are marked as utterly changed and utterly transformed. But what does this have to do with eternal life? Because change only happens when we are in relationship with God. I think we misunderstand this relationship thing. Let me give you an example this morning. I think, at times I think of it, like a a coach and a player type relationship, right? Player-coach, they have a relationship. It's a very unique one. It's a very interesting one. And the coach I'm thinking of is not like a really nice, like Corey Ward or Sue Kelly or or Kellen Casagaran. This is like Bill Belichick, okay? And in this relationship, as a player, in order to have a good relationship, you have to do all the right things. You've got to work hard. You have to study the playbook. You have to practice your disciplines. You have to look the right part, and maybe your coach will pat you on the back and say, you did your job, and give you a little more playing time. We view this relationship thing with God as a grinding, slogging effort on our part before an unaffectionate coach, Bill Belichick type. And when I say relationship with God, what comes to mind? Does joy or does obligation, failure, guilt, shame, maybe peace? How about love? That's what our text says this morning. In our passage this morning, this life and relationship with God this, this, it's all characterized, it's defined by God's love. The good news is that God's love gives life eternal. Let's dig a little deeper here in the text, and I think we see the good news break out from three things that we see about love in the good news. And the first is that God shows us His love. God shows us His love in the good news. You see it in verse 9 in the text. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is how God showed His love among us. Do you hear the echoes of John 3.16 here in this passage? For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that we might have life, that we might live through Him. John is drawing to mind the things that he stood as an eyewitness to. That God has forever shown His love perfectly in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The Gospel is such good news because it's a love story from God to us. 
And this is how John can say something so utterly simple, yet profound. That God is love. Now talk about a passage that gets misused and misquoted right there. That God is love. We misquote this. I've heard people say, how could God be against this or that? Isn't God supposed to be loving? And what lies at the heart of that is actually idolatry. And this is what I mean by that. The world, our world, views love and our current understanding of what love is, because it changes every couple years, understands that to be the foundation underneath God. And when this is misquoted, what when it's said that God is love, what is meant is that God is defined by being loving. God is defined by being loving. Based upon how our current cultural understanding of what love is. Don't you see the idol? Current cultural interpretations of what love is becomes our God. It lies underneath God, that, that God has to fit that box. But this is what's utterly amazing about our passage. When John says God is love, he's not saying that God is defined by love. He's saying love is defined by God. He is the source of all things. He created everything. He created our minds that could even understand what love is. He showed His faithful, perfect, unending love from the moment He created the world. In fact, creation is simply the result of His love outpouring. And He actually defines what love is here for us. He says what love is. It's right here. This is love. This is how God showed His love. Love is most clearly seen when God gave of Himself to us and for us. That which connects man and God is love. Because what we ultimately need more than anything is a relationship with God. So with our big idea this morning that God's love gives life, I'm not talking about, the love that we're talking about isn't just some kindness. It's not some ethereal definition of love. It is concrete and it's laid out here. We have specific. God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, to be a sacrifice in place of us. Love is defined by God. And in the gospel event, for all of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of the gospel, we see that God has shown us His love once and for all. There is no mistake. We see a love so amazing, so divine, it demands our souls, our lives, our all when we survey that wondrous cross. But God hasn't just shown us His love here. The truth of the Gospel event means that God has actually given it to us. God gives us His love. You might say, what's the difference between how God shows us His love and God gives us His love? Right, if I was to say to, to Matt, Matt, can you pass on my love? Can you give my love to Tim? And what I'd be saying is, can you, Matt, can you just show Tim in some way that I care about him, that I think he's great? Um, can you pass on to him and show him? And so what's the, what's the difference between how God shows his love and how God gives us his love? There is a difference. And this is at the center of what eternal life is all about here. Remember how I said I memorized John 3.16 with everlasting life? 
The word is aeonius. And everlasting is so different from eternal. It's so different from eternal. Because it only captures one element of what the word eternal means. It captures the temporal, the time element. And it is true that those who put their faith in Jesus are promised unending in duration of time with God in His holy, heavenly presence. But what it doesn't capture is the spatial element of the word. This word means unending. It means continuous, relentless, boundless, fullness of life. Let's hear John 17.3 again, which we just taught, uh, taught on back in the spring. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the love that God gives. Fullness, unending life, knowing and in relationship with Him. But I think we can still somehow believe that that's a someday thing, that in heaven we'll someday fully know God, and that's only then that it occurs. But this is where our text shows us that this whole eternal life thing has to do with hope and death, but it also has to do with this morning. It has to do with life to the full in relationship with God who is changing us today. Verse 13. This is how we know that we have life, that we live in Him and He in us. He's given us His Spirit. And this is what I mean when I say that God doesn't just show us His love. He gives it to us. God lives in us. There's something concrete that He's actually given. Because of the Gospel event, because Jesus came, because He died, because He rose again, the separating wall, the dividing bridge is forever gapped. Forever bridged over. And sinful man and perfect God can meet and He now resides in our hearts. He's taking over. And His love is given permanently into our very being. Have we stopped to consider how tremendously good that news is? That God gives His Holy Spirit into our lives. This is what eternal life means. When you hear that word, get past everlasting. It means we've been set free, set right, made holy by the blood of Jesus, and now we have life in Jesus' name. Life in relationship with God. Life in intimate relationship with God, having been given God's perfect love in the person of His Holy Spirit. But you know that the love that God gives us isn't just for our benefit. It's not just that we have a fuzzy, warm, worshipy feeling on a Sunday morning. So the worship was really good this morning. It's utterly life-altering. It's earth-shattering. It's world-changing. It can't stay the same because of His love. And in fact, the third thing our text shows us this morning is that God calls us to love in the good news. You can't read the first letter of John and miss it. You literally just can't. It's everywhere. You have to love one another. We also ought to love one another. Keep on loving one another. I think the call here is to love one another. Just like Jesus said to the disciples at the Last Supper, this new commandment I give you, love one another. 
But why are we to love one another? It's hard sometimes. I'm pretty hard to love. It's hard to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. When we love one another, the relationship with God, the, the life He gives us, the change He has done in our lives, it's on display. And the world sees that Jesus, the living God, is at work. Our love for one another is evidence of God's indwelling presence. This is about God's love living in us. But then John continues further, and he says something wild. He says that when we love, that God's love is, God's love is made complete in us? What does that mean? And what does that have to do with eternal life, right? This is definitely not saying somehow that God's love is incomplete without our effort. God's love is perfect. And as he goes on to say later, the perfect love of God casts out all fear. No, this word complete, it's the same word that Jesus says at the cross. That it is finished. It is complete. It is finished. It is complete. The idea is to run the course, to fulfill the goals set out. So what the passage is saying is that His love attains its goal in us when we love one another. Or to put it another way, when our lives fulfill our call to love one another, we demonstrate to each other and to our world that the good news has changed us. And in so doing, God's love is on display and our goal is completed. It's like the circuit of God's love is completed when we love one another. You see how that's really good news too? Because how do we start this morning with this question? Are our lives changed? Don't we pray that we would be able to love in meaningful and powerful ways? That we'd be characterized as loving? And this is what we see this morning. The gospel event isn't just about a someday reality. When we get to heaven, we get to be in intimate relationship with God. And that relationship is built upon God's love that changes us. It brings new life into our world because God's love gives life. And it gives it to the full with Him today. But we have a part in this this morning. What is our response? From the start of our summer, this was our prayer. We want the good news to change everything for us and to change everything for our world. But this is the thing. We can't just think of the good news as simply something you hear, something you know, something you can become informed about. But as we've gone through this summer, the series this summer, every metaphor is about so much more than just knowing about God. They all point to God acting to fix the broken relationship every week. That in the darkness, the dominion of darkness, God rescued us. When we were alone and abandoned, God adopted us. He's called us heirs, sons and daughters. And when our lives were completely broken, we're stuck in the old self, God has made us new. That when we feared 
we saw our shame and our guilt before God and knew how guilty we stood, God declared us innocent and gave us peace with him. And that peace with him can bring us into a beautiful plan, a beautiful hope of God's glory. It gives us purpose. When we were blind, God gave us light. And when we were thirsty, Jesus says that he offers living water. And this morning he offers eternal life. And these are just the metaphors that we use to study the gospel, the good news events. And we miss some. We miss some of my favorites. We miss freedom, kingdom, redemption, God's temple, bride of Christ. Scripture is filled with images and metaphors that say this event that's happened is glorious, it is beautiful, it's the center. And it's the center because it's there that we meet with the living God. We have life and intimate relationship with our God. But let's be real, we still keep returning to the bad news, don't we? We still return to keeping God separate for someday. And we look for other places to find joy. We're still so prone to wander from God. Why? Because we need the Gospel. If you've gotten sick of it this summer, that's okay. That's okay. But I'm here to remind you this morning that we need to get past that. That the gospel is for us every single day. We th- may think that someday we'll have spent enough time working for God that we'll finally attain the place of not needing to ask Him to change us. This is why we've done this series, because we miss everything when we lose sight of Jesus' love and the good news. When we think we've outgrown our need for the beauty of the gospel, we won't be changed. We will not be changed when we think we've outgrown our need for God. Don't get me wrong. Grace is completely, don't miss this this morning, grace is completely the work of God. It's perfect. It's final. There's nothing we can do to change that. That is His work. For all those who put their faith in God, it is final. But grace isn't about earning the right to be innocent without God. It's being given eternal life in God's love. So I'm going to be direct here this morning. If you're a disciple of Jesus, don't settle for anything less than seeing how God's love can bring life to every area of your life, every nook and cranny of your life. In your addictions, See how God's love can bring freedom and bring life. In your hurt, in your pain, experience how God's love can bring healing. It can bring life. In your loneliness and dissatisfaction, know how God's love can give perfect joy that only comes from Him. It can give life in your work, in your family, in your sleep, in your eating, in your TV watching. I don't care. See how God's love can bring life. That's what it does. But remember, this isn't just a knowing thing. This is something that we're called into. So if you call yourself a disciple, ask yourself, how are you learning more? How are you continuing to follow Jesus, to trust Him more this morning? Not based upon your own effort, but based upon a relationship with God. If you aren't in a discipleship relationship yet, 
Let me just ask, why not? Why not? And I'm not just saying that as the associate pastor of discipleship. I mean that. Why not? If you haven't joined a small group yet, why not? It doesn't have to be at our church. It can be anywhere. Have you, have you entered into a discipleship relationship where you are growing, where you're opening up your life to others, where you are loving the one another's? If you haven't connected with other believers, if your love isn't on display for the one another's in our church, why not? Asking Jesus to be Lord over every area of our lives is not an easy or always fun thing to do. Parts of our lives feel unchanged, well, because we like to hold on to them and we don't want them to be changed. We hold tightly onto them. But when we stand vulnerable, open, and in a posture as a disciple and learner before God and before his people, we see that his love on display and the good news of the gospel gives us fullness of life with him. Life in God's love changes everything for us and our world. So let me ask you, have you been captured this summer again or maybe for the first time by the good news of the gospel? This summer series goal was was that you would remember that moment when you first met God. Or maybe it was an invitation to invite some people to meet God for the first time. Do you remember that moment when you first met God? Remember the doorway that was so beautiful to see Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for the good news that it was. Remember that moment. We want to invite you. This is what we have an insert in the bulletin this morning. We want to invite you to look in there. We want you to reflect this week on that moment. Take a look at it. There's nothing today, so it's not going to be all of a sudden calling on people. You've got a full week to think about it. We have a sharing Sunday next Sunday. I want to invite you to reflect on the beauty of the good news. How did God pull you in? How has He met you? How has He met your every need? But we also want to hear and know the good news and how it's transforming you. How is it changing your life? How is God's love bringing new life into your world? How is it changing the way you even think about being called to love others. And this is the second goal of our series, that we'd be so captured by the beauty of the gospel and each of the metaphors and each of the images that we'd be ready to share how beautiful this good news is to one another, to our families, to our neighbors, to our city, and to our world. When your neighbor says, I feel like my life is out of control, the image of God's rescue is a doorway for them to see the gospel as good news. When your coworker says, I feel like God has got it out for me, you stand ready. You have the image of justification that we can stand before God fully at peace without fear. For the lonely, the image of adoption. For the addict, the image of being made new. For the cynic, the image of hope and glory. For the downtrodden, the metaphor of living water and light. And there are many ways that we didn't get to, but you stand ready with the truths of the Word of God to open up the good and newsworthy gospel in every situation. Let me read again 
a quote that I read the first week we started this series from John Piper. The gospel perfectly applied is perfectly suited to meet our every need. That's why the Bible is so thick. Because there are so many needs that you and I have. And there are suitable places where the gospel is unfolded for you. So that when you immerse yourself in this book, always with an eye to see what Christ has accomplished for you, He has good news for your every need. And what happens when those around us meet God's love in Jesus? Their lives are utterly changed. And they're given the greatest gift. Life eternal, life to the full, life in intimate relationship with the God who loves them today. First John 4 shows that the gospel, that in the gospel God has shown us His love, He's given us His love, and He calls us into His love. And this love draws us into a life in relationship with Him that changes everything for us and for our world. And this is what the whole eternal life thing from John 3.16 is about. Life now and unending in relationship with a God whose love gives life. Will it change us? Will we be so captivated by this life with Him that our lives will actually be invited into God's beautiful call on His church? A specific call for our church for this season to make disciples for the glory of Christ and the good of the city. That the good news would change our world. The good news is God's love gives life to the full with Him today. Will we ask God for that this morning?